0: Thank you. Can we thank Claire? She's fantastic. Uh, Rocked it. Um, She's married to Nathan. Nathan's married to her. And uh, it seems like you guys have been married now two months. Two months. And Nathan is already terrorizing you from what it seems like on social media. Um, It's a small world with the guitar, and now it's, and they who did that for us, when Cyrus came with me early this morning to church, and he's playing a guitar, and Cyrus just jumping, like, I've heard this song before, Where <laughs> have you heard it, Cyrus, Disneyland, uh, yeah, now it's going to be in our, so as you guys go, you're watching football, it's a small world after all, you're welcome, you'll be thinking about it, and it'll be in your head forever, I'm sure, I'm sure, well, good morning, it's good to see you, it's good to be back with you, um, I was on paternity leave we had a we had a baby he's doing very very well he's here, so he's in the back. All the babies are awake right now, by the way, which is fantastic it's the time and you notice just how well behaved they are for now, for now. yes, yes, but uh, we're we're grateful to have the babies in here and thank you for coming, moms and dads with the babies and um, But I just want to give some shout out to our our leadership team for really just stepping in the last month, you know and uh, uh, and, and it's a real sign of health. I have mentors and church planning friends that are like, you get to kind of see how healthy your church is when you're not around for a significant amount of time. Do things still happen? I wasn't worried about it at all. I, I know our team, and I know our leaders, and I know how quality everybody is. And uh, I just want to say thank you to those of you that that really did step in, have leaned in, and that had just really said, Mike, just take your time. Uh, be with your family. We've got this. Those are some of the most encouraging things to see. And specifically, I would like to give a shout-out to Casey. Um, Casey spearheaded this community for the last month and she uh, has so much on her plate. She's our operations director and everything else. She's like, she texted me a couple days ago. She's like, This job is so funny. <laughs> like, one moment I'm doing graphic design work, and the next moment I'm doing budgets and setting up IKEA furniture. And so Casey just has a can do spirit. Um, and I just want to publicly say in front of everybody here we should not take her for granted. She is a gift to this community, she is a gift. Uh, to me, to Jessie, and we would not at all be a church without her. And I think it's safe to say that, and I acknowledge that. It's true. And so um, give her a hug today. Encourage her today. Um, encourage her all the time. Um, she is a gift to us. And so um, although I was on paternity leave, uh, I wasn't really sure. It's my first time ever doing uh, having paternity leave. Never done that before. We adopted our other two kids. Never really had that um, time. Um, I wasn't ready for it to be so paternal. Shocker, I know. I remember I was like going on fraternity leave, I'm like, it'll be great, I'll be home with the kids, yeah, I'll be dad, but also have like time to like pray and dream about the future of our church, and like get space to like what God is saying and what he's doing, and uh, there was far less of that than I expected, I had, it, was, it was amazing, life was very full, the days were flying by, I cannot believe how fast it went, how quick the sun comes up, and how quick the sun goes down, and all the diapers, and all the meals, and all that, um, it was a fun time, um, and although I didn't get to have that space as much as I wanted to, there was still time to hear from God. There was still time to pray and discern about this next season that we're stepping into as a church. And so I'm a firm believer that the Holy Spirit uh, uh, is always moving, um, that the Holy Spirit uh, never stays put. It's actually part of the adventure of following Jesus, isn't it? That, that the Holy Spirit's always leading us to something new. He's always guiding us to the next steps. He's always uh, encouraging us to grow. And so uh, anytime I approach our community, anytime I pray for reunion, it's through that lens. That the Holy Spirit is wanting to take us to new uh, places. He's wanting to take us out to uncharted waters. He wants to see us take steps of faith. Take steps forward. And, and so if the Holy Spirit's always moving and always taking and reshaping, I think it comes down to our willingness as people. It comes down to whether or not we're willing to go to the places that the Holy Spirit wants to lead us. Right? Like God has plans for your life. God has plans for our church. And so that's not the question. The question is, are we willing to, to step out and go to the places that He's leading us? Are we willing to do the things He's put before us? And that comes down to us. Uh, so I'm going to be sharing some things that are very personal to me this morning, but I'm also going to be sharing things that are very specific to our community. We're going to have visitors from all over the place, literally all over the country this morning. I got my sisters are here from moved here from Kauai, and nieces and nephews, and sister from Oregon right now, and, and so it's, it's just fun, right, and so I hope whatever I share this morning, there's something for everybody, there's something that will challenge you in some specific way to take back wherever it is that you're going and coming from, but but more importantly, there's some things I'm going to share personally that I hope is helpful, and then things that I'm going to be unpacking uh, starting today and for the next three weeks, most likely, maybe four, depends on how fast I get through some of this stuff, uh, and so uh, I'm framing this really in a vision season that we're in, that we're leaning into what God is doing next in our community and, and where he's uh, moving. And so if you brought your Bible, we're going to be bouncing around to four different passages. I'm going to be moving very, very quickly. Um, you can open up your Bible if you'd like to Mark chapter 6. And uh, uh, if you didn't bring your Bible, that's okay. We'll have it up on the screen. And uh, uh, we'll start in Mark 6. Mark 6, 7 through 13. Do you have that verse? Oh, Hopefully. It's okay. You're good. It's not your fault. It's my fault. Uh, it should be on the screen. If not, you can just listen if it's, if it's not the right passage. So Mark chapter 6, and we bounce around a couple different places. Here we go. Verse 7 uh, through uh, 13. It should be there. I'm not there. Let me get there. Here we go. So Jesus summoned the 12, and he began to send them over in parts, and gave them, in pairs, excuse me, gave them authority over unclean spirits. He instructed them to take nothing for the road except a staff, no bread, uh, no traveling bag, no money in their belts, but to wear sandals and to put on an extra shirt. He said to them, wherever you enter a house, stay there until you leave that place. If any place does not welcome you or listen to you, when you leave, shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. So they went out and they preached and peep- that people should repent. They drove out many demons, anointed many sick people with oil, and healed them. Flip on over, and now we're into Luke chapter 10, verses 1 through 4. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others. So notice the church went from 12, at that point in the verse we just read, now it's to 72. So it's growing. They went out, now they're 72. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others, and he sent them ahead of him in pairs to every town and place where he himself was about to go. He told them, the harvest is abundant, but the workers are few. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. Now go, I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. Don't carry a money bag, traveling bag, or sandals. Don't greet anyone along the road. And let's go down to John chapter 20. Flip on over there, and we will be at verse 19 through 23. When it was evening of that first day of the week, the disciples were gathered together with the doors locked because they feared the Jews. Jesus came, and he stood among them. And he said to them, Peace be with you. Having said this, he showed them his hands and his side. So the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I am also sending you. After saying this, he did something he hasn't done before, and he breathed on them, not like a, oh. And he said, Receive the Holy Spirit. That might be weird if you were in the room. He breathed on them. Okay? <laughs> After saying this, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Flip over to Acts chapter 1. Just one page in my Bible, maybe one in yours. Verse 4. While he was with them, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for the Father's promise, which, he said, you will have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit in a few days. So when they had come together, they said to him, Lord, are you restoring the kingdom to Israel at this time? He said, it's not for you to know the times or the periods of what the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you, and you will be my witnesses. Here it is, in Jerusalem, but also in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. I'm titling this message, Risk Everything. And I want to propose to you this morning that, that the thing that brings you the most comfort today is, in fact, the thing that brought you the most risk in the past. I was reading an article, and uh, it was talking about a, a study that interviewed 50 people in their 90s, which is a fascinating study, right? Like, what are they going to ask? I want to hear what a bunch of 90-year-olds have to say, honestly, Right? The question that they asked them was, if there was one thing you could go back uh, in your lifetime and do over again, what's one regret that you have? The overwhelming answer that came out of all of those studies and some variation was, I, I wish I would have taken some more risks. There were things, there were opportunities that were out there that I didn't seize on. That either I settled in for comfort or safety or security. There's just, I just wish I would have taken some more risks. Proposed to you today... That the thing that brings you the most comfort today is the thing that brought you the most risk in the past. Why do I say that? I've had so many conversations with a lot of you about how risky it was to join Reunion Church. Stories about how hard that was. That it required you to step out of of the comfort of a community you're already a part of. To step into a new city, unknown territory, new faces, different kinds of people. And now when I talk to you today, you're like, oh, I'm so glad I did. This is my family. This is a place that I feel safe. This is a place that's so comfortable. Well, maybe it's true for your career, right? You left a career for a new opportunity. Maybe it was more money or a higher position. And at that point, you were so comfortable. And then you took a risk, and you stepped out into something new. But maybe if that job went accordingly to plan, now this place is a place of safety for you. You love it. Maybe it's a relationship. Can you think about those that have been in relationships for a long time, or a new relationship, your first date. How risky was that? Putting yourself out there. And now you're with somebody. And you're like, oh, they just love me and I love them and they know me. Or whatever it may be. Maybe it's finances. The list goes on and on and on. The things that bring you the most comfort today are the things that brought you the most risk in the past. Why do I say that? There's something naturally in us that desires risk. There's something in us naturally that we want to break out of, the white picket fence, the wall that we've created for ourselves. We want that, but at the same time, we live in this tension of comfort, right? We want risk, but we want comfort. And so naturally, most of us desire this, but it's so easy for us just to settle into life as it is, to hit cruise control, because this is what we know best, but we live with this uneasy tension, we live with this desire for more. We live this idea, and we want things to go a little bit out of the norm. I, I love change. For me, like, I can't get enough of it. I get bored so quick. Uh, you know, like, cruise control for me, it, it, as far as life goes, uh, is, is deep fear. Like, the idea of just, like, coasting. Oh, no, I can't, I can't stand it. Although, when you have a car that doesn't have cruise control like the one I'm driving right now, Kia. <laughs> Then you're like, oh, man, cruise control is nice on a car, but not in life, okay? Um, it's naturally, uh, but I could resort myself into a place uh, of safety, of comfort. I'm a naturally cautious person. If you know me, you know I'm cautious, right? <laughs> so when I talk about risking, I'm not talking about like a living a reckless life, a carefree life. That's not what we're talking about, right? It's this willingness to grow. It's a willingness to step forward. It's a willingness to make next steps into maturity and growth. I'm a naturally cautious person. One of my favorite things to do whenever we go to Hawaii or whenever we go to a lake, if there is an opportunity to jump off a rock into the water, I will do it. I love it. Okay? But I won't be the first one to do it. <laughs> I will wait and I will make sure somebody else has dropped, jumped off that rock and, and didn't hit something underneath. I will, I will never. Claire, I think we did this, the lake this past summer. What did I do? I, you notice I went and asked those people, hey, is this safe? Have you guys done this? Oh, yeah, yeah, make sure you just jump in this area. Got it. I don't care how high it is, I'm jumping, but I will jump in the right spot. Right? Call me cautious. Maybe I'm just not stupid. I don't know. (laughs) I've never broken a bone in my life. So uh, there's just something in me that loves uh, to set things up around me that are safe and careful, but at the same time, I live in this tension of risk and wanting things to change, wanting to step out of my comfort zone. So, what am I saying? Comfort zones don't keep us safe. They actually just make our lives boring and predictable. At the end of the, at the end of the day, when we when we when we set our lives up in a specific way, our lives aren't necessarily safe. They're just predictable. They're boring. They're small. Or we look at this passage. The ones I read these verses for a reason. What is Jesus continually doing with his followers, and what do we see him do with his church? Go beyond the borders. Go beyond the walls. Get out of the city. There's a time and there's a season to stay, but there's also a time to expand and to grow, that God wants to stretch us. He wants to push us beyond our limits, right? He wants to broaden our shoulders. He wants to increase our capacities for calling. I think if I could just propose, there's one thing that the devil wants to hear you say at the end of your life, it's this. I wish I would have taken more risks. I think he wants to hear you say that. I think if, he, if you can say that at the end of your life, nothing against somebody that would today, but just, yes, I kept, I kept that person's life small. I kept that, I kept that person's life safe. That's, that's, it's subtle, and that's what he wants to do. I think God wants to hear say the opposite. Man, Lord, I, I lived riskfully for you. I continue just want to be faithful. I continue to step up. I continue to trust you, and I continue to make steps forward. I didn't live a life that was predictable because I believe that you're bigger than my predictability. You're bigger than my, you're my dreams. You're bigger than my aspirations. In my devotions this week, I'm, I'm going through Ephesians. Got to one of the verses, Ephesians 3.20, the one you probably have heard a lot. Like, I'll do infinitely more than you can ever ask or imagine. Right? This is what God says. So we talk about taking risk. It's important for us to understand from the very beginning, if we're going to live a life that's okay with this, it's going to be better than anything that we can ever ask or imagine, even though it might be the scariest thing you've ever looked to in ever. <laughs> but we will come at this and be like, wow. God, yeah, you're, you're so much bigger. You're so much more faithful. You're, you're so good. I didn't even know how to pray that prayer, but look what you had in store for me. I think being a risk taker means... Living for something much bigger than yourself. If our life is all about me, we're missing something. And I just love these passages. I love what Jesus is saying. Because, i got the shot. I love what Jesus is saying to his followers here. Because he's, he's saying, yeah, yeah, stay in Jerusalem. But don't you dare get too comfortable in Jerusalem. Because my gospel needs to go out beyond Jerusalem. And there's going to be a season Followers, there's going to be a seasoned church. Or I actually, need you to go into Judea. I need you to go into Samaria. I need you to go to the ends of the earth. This is what God's plans are. God has plans for your life. He has plans for our church. It comes down to whether or not we're willing to go. It comes down to whether or not we're okay just settling in and being with, being okay with how things are. Or are we willing to step forward? into the uncharted waters, into the uncharted uh, 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 zones or cities or whatever it may be, relationships that God has for us. And so isn't that what we see in these three different passages we just read? Jesus continues to push his early followers outside of personal preference. This is the kind of follower I want to be. This is the kind of church I want to be a part of. A church that is not okay with cruise control. A church that is praying Risky prayers. A church that's willing to step out of things that don't make sense. A church that's not forgetting the faithfulness of God. The faithfulness of God, the goodness of God is what's got us here. But God's got more for us that we've got to be willing to step out of. Jesus used pretty strong language. Did you notice that here? He said, hey, hey, church, hey, followers, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. People are going to want to take you out, right? There's going to be people that oppose you, but more than that, there's going to be circumstances, probably even bigger, this is what Jesus is referring to. It's not necessarily like some of this is going to come and be like, ah, let me just hurt you and keep you away. No, no, he's talking about the circumstances of the world that are going to deter you, culture that's going to deter you. What's the message that's being sold here in Orange County, in California, even in, even in the United States, right? Set your life up so that you're good for the future, right? Wealth, accumulation, take care of yourself, live there. The world's going to try to form us into its image, but Jesus is saying, hey, be, be, be aware of that. Be aware that the message that the world's going to preach you is contradictory to what I'm telling you to do. Jesus said, go and take nothing. Leave it all. Leave it all behind so you remember how faithful I am to you, that I'm your provider, that I'm going to take care of you. You don't need anything if you have me. This is the posture that Jesus wants us to live in. Uh, He doesn't want us to hoard. He doesn't want us to store up things. He wants us to break out of our white picket fences. He wants us to leave the Tesla at home. Anybody here drive a Tesla? I don't think so. (laughs) If you do want to ride. (laughs) But the world is going to do everything it can to see you Fail. And that thought alone, by the way, for me, is the thing that holds me back the most, is the, is, the, is the fear of failure. I haven't met anybody that doesn't want to fail, or that has a fear of failure, rather. That's something that holds us all back. Putting ourselves out there, relinquishing control of our lives, is the very thing that will actually keep us and keep our lives small and predictable. But God has called us to more. And so I, I, this is what I'm proposing. I, I, looking at this passage, I, I just want to share a few things um, and talking about what risk actually looks like. And there are three calls uh, that I'm making um, and I'm inviting our church to, and then I'm going to wrap up with where God's taking us. Okay, so hang in there. God willing, I get through these three three points quickly, and I don't have to pause for the rest for next week. But if we do, it's a teaser. Come back next week. (laughs) The good news, though, uh, with all of this, and, and Jesus pushing us beyond our boundaries, pushing us outside of our borders, is that he left us his Holy Spirit. This was the news the disciples needed. Jesus knew they needed a helper. He knew they couldn't do it by themselves. Jesus is smart. He's a genius. He's like, I'm leaving, but you guys still need a lot of help. You're go- you have my spirit. And so as I talk about these three things, I talk about these anchors for our community and the posture that I'm asking, Reunion Church or whoever you are, wherever you go back to live your lives this way, is you do it with the help of the Holy Spirit. You don't do this within your strength, in yourself. The Holy Spirit is the only way to make this happen. So three things we see in, in, these, in these four different passages. The first one is the willingness, uh, the unity to participate together in the family of God. It's huge. If we, if we are going to live lives that risk everything, if we're going to commit to this, a big part of that is participation. Now, one thing that you know to be true maybe about your family, or if you, if, you, if you admire some sort of family, you're like, wow, that family is really healthy. You know what probably the reason why that family is healthy is because they have participation, right? That family enjoys being together. They, they, like, it doesn't matter where they are, it doesn't matter what season they're going through, as long as they're together, we're okay. There's something really contagious and compelling about a family like that. You know what I see a lot of churches today? I see a lot of Christians who just can't stand each other. They don't want to be together. In fact, the, the, there's a burden in getting up in the morning to go be together. How is that compelling to the world? Right? Where, like we see the early church, they they that we see commonality. They enjoyed, they shared, there was joy. They they met together, it says, get this, with glad and sincere hearts. It's not very hard. (laughs) At least the idea of this isn't very hard. And There's something compelling about a church, family, that recognizes it doesn't matter what we do. It doesn't matter where we are. It doesn't matter what night serve night is. It doesn't matter what what time the group is at. I know I had a hard day, but I'm with my family. And as long as I'm with my family... I'm good. It's a spirit I believe God's inviting us to step into as a community. It, it just, just to participate together, to enjoy each other's presence. And I think that's a mark, and I think that's something that will shape us moving forward. Uh, number two, we, the, the second thing we see is that they invested themselves into relationships. One of the verses that we just read, it's actually a verse that is on my mind, <laughs> Every waking hour, to be honest with you, is the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. That verse right there will spin you out if you keep thinking about that for a lot of reasons. It has a lot to do with our culture. I won't even get into that with you, but if you want to sit and have coffee, we can talk all about it. But I think Jesus uh, uh, really says this. I think this is in the Bible to really keep our purse focused on the right thing. Um, because we, we could get so focused on the wrong things as a church. We can get so focused on just hype, buzz, uh, uh, perception, whatever it may be. But Jesus, but Jesus keeps it very, very clear. He says, hey, just know church, the harvest is out there, and so you better be praying for workers. You, you, you better be a people that care about those who are hurting or broken because the harvest is plentiful, but there are very few people who actually care enough to serve them, or to love them, and I, I just think Jesus is saying we need to pray for the harvest. We don't need to pray for the harvest, but we need to actually pray and recognize there are a lot of broken and isolated people. This is nothing new. This we we're in like one of the roughest neighborhoods in Santa Ana. Like I was putting a sign out, and there's two cops sitting in the parking lot. Like it's pretty normal here, right? This this neighborhood has is a historic. Like it has drug issues, it has violence. There's gang issues. Like, we can walk outside, and we'll see very quickly there's a lot of broken people. There's a lot of isolated people. So the question isn't the harvest. It's that, that we would be a people that care enough about them. And in Orange County makes that quite difficult. There's a quite a divide up between the two. And so uh, we talk about investing relationships, by the way. This isn't just a call outside. I think actually for us right now as a church and what's more pivotal in our season is investment into one another. Like just because we're here, just because we may have a job or drive a car or live in a house or whatever it is, doesn't mean we're not broken. Doesn't mean we don't feel isolated. Doesn't mean we don't have fears. So this call of investing into relationships in this season for us, yes, let's not forget about those outside of our community. We're always going to be that church but it means investing into one another. Uh, every bank account, investment account, you name it, has deposits and withdrawals, right? Uh, the goal of any account is to make more what? Deposits than withdrawals. What happens if you make more withdrawals than deposits? Just tell me. Make more money. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get coffee. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. That means that, that, that makes a lot too. of sense now. <laughs> you will bankrupt, right? Like, budgeting 101, right? Don't spend more money than you make. It's the same thing with relationships, guys. We need to be a church. We're going to be a church that's making more deposits than withdraws. We're going to be a church that's encouraging. We're going to be a church that's challenging. We're going to be a church that speaks truth and love. Any opportunity we get with one another, let's not sit awkwardly around the coffee thing and be like, "Oh, Hey, I, was, hey, I want to let you know, like, How amazing you are. I want to let you know, like, hey, that spirit that you brought to the family center on Saturday really made a difference. I saw you talking to that mom. And I just want to say, like, that that meant a lot. And you have a real gift in you fill in the blank. Intentionality, investment, making deposits into one another. I, I mean, you've probably heard the study I've heard. For every negative comment, it takes 10 positive things to actually get that person to forget about that negative comment. So most of us are living our lives crippled uh, with, with with negative negative words, people are sowing negative things into us all the time, so the church, a healthy community, needs to be committed in speaking positive things to one another because the message out there is negative doesn 't mean that the message the true message won 't hurt doesn 't mean there 's not a season for that, but you understand what i 'm saying. a church that makes more deposits than withdraws. this is what investment means. this is what we 're going to be about <clears throat> And lastly, we see the early followers of Jesus multiplying what God put in them. A principle that we see all throughout the Bible, and frankly, it's a life life principle, it's a business principle, you name it, but it came from the Bible, is that healthy things grow. Whether you garden, whatever it is you do, healthy things grow. We see it in Genesis when God said, in, in, in the book of Genesis to creation. He said, be fruitful and what? Multiply. Growth is good. Multiplication is good. We see it in the Gospels, Jesus used and regularly illustrated growth by talking about farming and gardening and fruit plants and trees and you name it. How about little seeds? What happens when they're like watered and what happens later on when they grow, right? Healthy things grow. We see in Acts that the commonality of the people led to what? Multiplication. That daily... The, the church was being added to numbers were growing because there was commonality, because healthy things grow. If, some, if you're looking at your life and you're and I'm not having any growth, there's time to take inventory. Well, there's a reason for that. Healthy things grow. This is a principle that we're always going to build ourselves around. Very rarely, if not ever, does God bless us with something to hoard it, to keep it for ourselves, to store up our own wealth, He wants us to multiply the things that he's putting in us, whether it's financially, whether it's through gifts that he's given you, whatever it may be. And so what's my plea? What am I asking for Reunion Church? It's to to share and multiply what God's putting in you, whether it's here or someone else with others. It's the beautiful thing. The things that God's teaching, maybe the word that God gives you today, think about that. Maybe there's somebody that you can encourage. Share what God is putting in you with others. Don't keep it for yourself. Don't store things up inside of you because I believe God wants to use you. He's giving you a voice, He's giving you words, He's giving you an imagination, He's giving you dreams that's meant to spur and encourage and challenge people. And so I'm not just talking about numerical growth, although I do think that does happen. We see that in Acts. It's spiritual growth, it's relational growth, it's emotional growth. Okay, I've got a little bit of time. What does this mean for us as a church? First and foremost, it's, the, it's these three things. My invitation for you this year is to participate. It's to invest. It's to multiply. And I want to set you out on the journey for you to pray about what that means for you. What that looks like for you as a part of this church. What this looks like for you a part of the city. Whatever city you live in, whatever your job is, whatever this looks like. For you to commit to these three things. Um, I'm calling this year, declaring this year as a church Year three is a big year for a church plan, by the way. Uh, it's a year that a lot of churches find themselves. It's a year that a lot of good things happen, but it's also a year where a lot of churches decide to be stubborn and, and commit themselves to comfort and just to coast. I'm declaring this year a year of opportunity for reunion. Amen. This is what, thank you. This is where God is going to lead us. That God has a plan for us, and He's calling us to step out. Are we willing to participate? Are we going to invest? Are we going to multiply? So God's been stirring a lot inside of me for the last three months. It's quite an odd thing to go through. I can't even really explain what it's like when you know, and you've probably experienced this. yourself. God's trying to get my attention, and I don't know what it is. There's an unsettlement. He gets, he gets to me through like an unsettling, visceral, like, he's getting my attention, but I don't know what this is. So I was asking a lot of questions, meeting with a lot of people, trying to process stuff trying to find language for the things that I think God is leading our community. But God is So it's been something I've been sitting in for, for quite a few months and um, have been processing and what that looks like. Newsflash. This church wasn't my idea. Reunion Church was not my idea. Can I just say that? Jesse and I never planned on planting a church in Santa Ana. It was not a part of our plan. But it was God's idea. And God got our attention then and spoke to us then. And we were willing to take a risk. We were willing to step out. It, was, it is the riskiest thing we've ever done with our lives. And all we do is have today. That's all we have. I don't know what next week looks like. I don't know. This is the place we live in. And I'm okay with it. But this church wasn't our idea. God got our attention. and So, so I want to say, as God's leading us and, and we're wrestling through things, it's important for us to understand that, that God is teaching us And I'm learning a lot. I don't have all the answers. This is the first time I've ever done this. So I'm I'm relying on grace from you. I'm relying on trust from you. Support, prayers, all these things that go out into, into making decisions for this church. And so one of the things that God's teaching me is that just because it's hard doesn't mean I'm not in it. In fact, you know what I'm learning? Oftentimes when something's really difficult, that's a good indication that God's in it. If something is actually really easy, If you could do something on your own, and you have no dependence on God at all, not saying that God's not in it, but you might want to think about it. (laughs) The harder something is, oftentimes it's a good indication that that's where God wants you, and he's teaching you something there. So if God has big plans for us, I think, again, it comes down to whether or not we're going to lean in. And when Jesse and I showed up, I'm getting to the point, okay? (laughs) Take it easy. When Jesse and I showed up in downtown, can you put that picture on the screen? It was almost four years ago, which is wild how fast this has gone. Um, The idea of where our church has gone, like, this was right around the time that we showed up, got some pictures taken. That's us just admiring the beautifulness of Orange County, looking at Santa Ana, and recognizing that God's doing something here. That God is moving. There's doing something very unique in this city in the heartbeat of Orange County. Literally like, everything about Santa Ana, it's like the organs, it's like the, the, just the heart of Orange County. Everything important comes out of this place. And for so long, it's been neglected and rejected. We all know this, right? People drive through or stop in, hardly anybody hangs out. So that idea alone was like, no, like, God's doing something here, and he's looking for, he's looking for workers. The harvest is plentiful. I saw ministry opportunities on every corner. So we were drawn to it. Why wouldn't we be here? Because It's hard. So we leaned in. We stepped in. And you know what question we've been asking for the last two, or two and a half years? God, what do you, what do you want us to do? <laughs> What's our part? What's our lane? What do you have for us? We asked that question for two and a half years. And I can remember looking at Jesse and be like, got anything? <laughs> so you know what we did? Anything we could. We, just, we volunteered. We served just about anywhere with anyone who would let us. You remember all this? Oh, they'll let us? We'll do it. Okay, okay, yeah, we'll be there, trying to find our way and navigate where it is that God was leading us. For those of you that have been on the journey from the beginning, thank you for your patience. The question was, God, where are you taking us? What's our lane? Four years later, I can stand up here confidently and tell you, we found our lane. We're no longer searching for our lane. You know what it is? What? The Family Center. It's because of the faithfulness of the church, because of the goodness of our church, we found the thing that God has called us to do. It's the family center. And so, the family center, it's a beautiful thing. It's more than just a building. It's more than just something to take your time up on Saturday. The family center is a beacon of hope for people. The family center is a place of safety for people that don't have any. The family center is a place where people experience peace, love, the family center is the gospel in action. It's meeting needs. When Jesus said, you love me, feed my sheep. Give them a cold glass of water. Family center is the gospel in action. So for us, we found it. You know what the most tempting thing to do now for a church? Just keep doing everything we're doing. Let's just, every, every, we're good. Except that's not me. That's just not me. I, I believe God's holding me accountable to this community. And so now we're in a place, and I was asking uh, the last couple months, now what, God? like You've shown us our lane. What what does it mean now for us to continue to move forward? Because you're not done with us, are you? Is this it? Or what else do you have for us? I believe God has a lot more for us. And so the question I've been asking God is, now what? And again, if you want to ask that question, I'm just going to warn you, it's very risky. (laughs) Because He's going to take you further. He's going to give you greater vision. He's going to want to open up opportunities inside you that you wouldn't normally go to. And so I believe God is enlarging enlarging our heart for community. He's giving us greater vision outside of Santa Ana. What does that mean? I'm going to tell you. Reunion Church is for everyone. God is pushing us out of Santa Ana, not to leave Santa Ana, but to make room for more in community, which is an exciting thing. I look around this room, you know what I see? People that live everywhere. People that have representation everywhere around Orange County, right? Whether it's Huntington or Costa Mesa or Tustin or Yorba Linda or Anaheim or Garden Grove, wherever it may be, there are representations, there's little lights of reunion everywhere around Orange County, which is such a beautiful thing. God is enlarging our heart for community. We're not, making myself very clear, we're not packing up our bags and leaving Santa Ana. We're here to stay. But God's pushing us outside of Jerusalem. He's pushing us into Samaria now. And he's going to push us into Judea. And I can't wait till he pushes us to the end of the world and we get some effect in international countries. God's heart's growing and expanding our heart for community. And so you know what I see? I see those of you that have been a part of this community so faithfully and have been in and invested and have gotten the DNA about who we are, the little special unique things about us, authenticity. We can be who we are. We don't have to like go to church and like, pretend like everything's okay if I'm having a bad day to tell somebody. These little things that I love about our church, you can just be you. Well, guess what? There's cities. There's people outside of this place that need that. There's people outside of Santa Ana that need this kind of community. And so we're going to go. This is why we're launching a new reunion group on Tuesday in Tustin. And that's what Jesse and I are going to be part of. We're going to launch this group. And my prayers already are in the fall. fall. We're going to launch another group either in Costa Mesa or Orange or somewhere else. And we're going to start setting up community outside of this city so that people can taste and see the goodness of what God's doing in reunion. Reunion Church is for everybody. Does God love Santa Ana? Absolutely. Do we love Santa Ana? Heck yes. But I also love Costa Mesa. I love Orange. I love Anaheim. I love Yorba Linda. I even, even love Irvine. (laughs) Keaton, no? Keaton, say no. God has been so faithful and kind to us. We're not going to forget what he's doing. But he's moving. And we're going to go with him. And I want to invite you guys into this to recognize, let's not forget who we are, but our best days are in front of us. And I'm committed to the journey, and we need God's help for this. (laughs) Like, we can't do this on my own strength, on the shoulders of Mike. We do this with God, and we have to be together as we do this. We all have to buy into this vision. We have to understand that, like, this is the year that God's called. us. the year of opportunity. Are we as a church willing to go together and do this together? so that Reunion has 10, 20, 30, 40 years left a fruitful ministry, a fruitful community. We are a community first, and we have great purpose. Many of you are already doing a fantastic job at living this out. And so for those of you that are here and you're like, I'm in, doesn't matter, I'm here, no matter what, my, my invitation for you is to recommit already, to take this as a season and be like, okay, we're going to keep going, Okay? For those of you that have like maybe one foot in, one foot out, you're kind of just on cruise control, you're coasting, you feel comfortable, whatever that may be, it's an opportunity to recommit. It's an opportunity to step fully into what God's doing, knowing that our best days as a church are ahead. God wants to use you in the life of this community. He wants to use you in big ways. And So next week we're going to come back and I'm going to talk about, I'm going to unpack this a little bit more, what our posture looks like specifically. We're going to talk about salt and light. Um, and I got a lot of thoughts on that. Excited to share those two messages over the next two weeks. Then we're going to get into the book of James and talk about the greatest tension ever, which I'm so excited to talk about. And then in three weeks, what we're going to do is we're, I'm calling our church to a week of prayer. To seek God. To pray for our church. To pray for the harvest. To pray for the workers. To pray and remember that Reunion Church is a family first. This is the church. It's a family. That people will participate, people will invest, that people will multiply. And so we're going to, I'm throwing that out there now, be ready for it. It's going to be February 18th through the 23rd, the reunion week of prayer. And uh, what we're going to do very quickly, as I want to just kind of unpack that, uh, is that we're just going to pray that God would unite the vision in our hearts as a church. Um, Jesus calls us to pray without ceasing. And so what we're going to do for a week is we're going to give you a prayer guide It's going to give you very specific prayers meant to be a launching board. You, don't, you can pray bigger than that. You can pray longer than that. But it's going to be cut, tied around uh, very six specific words to be praying for. And what I'm calling you to do is to pray sometime in the morning, at lunchtime, and sometime at night. Pray that same prayer three times. Bathe your day in prayer. And we're all praying the same prayer together. Asking God to move, we're asking Him to blow fresh wind, bring revival, send His Spirit, bring life, bring new life into this church. I'm convinced if we do this together, nothing's going to stop us. That we can move together in the same direction. Okay, are you with me? All right, all right. We're all, uh, we're gonna clo- we're gonna close with the song. Okay, well, one song. Sorry, guys. But um, I would love to pray for you and just send you back to wherever you're going. I, I, I just pray there was some nugget for you here. There was something challenging for you that you could take into your Super Bowl Sunday. You guys need to know that the Lord is with the New England Patriots. I, I'm, I'm going for the Rams, but the Lord is with New England Patriots. Don't fight it. Just accept it. I'm just, I'm just saying, I've seen it. Don't be mad. Don't be mad at me. I've just seen it. I know, my dad's very mad. I'm going for the Rams too. I know, it's a weird way to end my message. But let me pray for you. Would you stand and uh, let me pray for you and send you out as we worship. I'll come, up and, I'll come up again at the end. Lord, we are grateful that you give us opportunities. That you want to use us. That you allow us to partner with you. And so, Lord, I just pray over my brothers and sisters in this room. I pray, Father, that you would speak to them in individual ways. That you'd show them how to apply what we just talked about. That your word would come alive. We'd do the hard work, the soul-searching in them. That we would be a church that participates. We'd be a church that invests. And we'd be a church that multiplies. Believing that our best days are ahead. So as we close with this worship song, Lord, we're grateful that we're not just singing to a God that doesn't listen. We're not just singing to the open sky. We're singing to a God that hears. A God that cares. The God that's delighted in our worship, Lord. So, would you hear it? Would you enjoy it? And may it be pleasing to your ears. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.